chapter 16, praise the Lord. Acts chapter 16. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Lord, speak to us tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight, my God. We do thank you, my God, for sending your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus, to die upon the cross for us, my God. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to be in this place. And we just pray tonight, my God, that through your word that you minister to our hearts and lives, my God, to make us more like yourself, my God, how you want us to live and go on, my God. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're in uh, Acts chapter 16, and if this is your first time in a church, or you know, or you've been a few times, Tuesday night's our Bible study, where we go through verse by verse through the Bible, and we it's a study. But you've come at the right time, because we're in the book of Acts, and the Acts and the book of Acts. All that means is that the message of Jesus Christ, what was taken about two thousand years ago. We're carrying on that same message today. You know, it's the gospel that was taken out. And the gospel's pretty simple. It's a simple thing. That Jesus Christ come to this earth. He didn't come to this earth to lay in a manger so you can give Christmas presents out. He didn't come to the earth so that the Easter bunny can lay eggs. He didn't come for that either. What people's made it, made it about Jesus, haven't they? All rubbish. Jesus Christ came here for one purpose, and that was to save sinners. You know, and the Bible teaches that everyone in this place is a sinner. No one's perfect. You know, everyone has sinned. The Bible says, for all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, there's none righteous, no, not one. And sin's pretty... That what sin is, if you've ever told a lie, the Bible calls you a liar. If you've stolen something, you're a thief. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain, what that means is, instead of using a four-letter swear word, they've used the name of your creator to use it as a swear word. And the Bible calls that sin, even bad thoughts is sin. Hatred in your heart is sin. Hating people. All that's sin, the Bible says. And the Bible says that those that who do sin are on the road to hell. That the Bible sin takes people to hell. That's what sin does. And that's why Jesus Christ came. He came so that, that there is a payment that you can go to heaven. Jesus Christ came to die upon the cross for the sins of the world. To shed his blood. The Bible says there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And that's what Jesus done. The Bible says he, he was beaten so much, tortured so much, he didn't even resemble a human being. Now I've seen people beat up and I've seen people hurt. But I've never seen as someone that they don't look like a human being. Have you? But that's what Jesus come and he done it for me and for you. And he done that so you didn't have to go to hell. And he says they took him off the cross, they put him in a tomb, and three days later he rose from death unto life. That the Bible says that whoever's willing to repent of their sin, that means say, you're walking that way in your sin and going, Lord, I want to repent of it and I want to turn and follow you. And ask for forgiveness of your sins. Say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Saviour. You'll be born again and you'll be going to heaven. 
That's the simple message that we carry. And that's a free invitation. We're not asking for your money. We're not asking you to join a club. We don't want nothing from you. All we want you to have is Jesus Christ. And that's offers free to everyone. There's two roads before you tonight. There's one road leading to heaven. And that's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And that side, there's a road going to well, which is just stay on the road that you're on and do nothing. But I urge you tonight, give your life to Jesus and get yourself into heaven. You know, that's the simple message that we carry. And it's the same message what they preached 2,000 years ago, that, we ain't, that Christianity ain't spread by the sword. It ain't like Islam, where they go and murder nations, convert them by the sword. Kill them if they don't convert. Jesus, it's but a love that Jesus conquered the world. The love that he died upon the cross at Calvary, that it was love that draws men and women unto him and gets them into heaven. And he makes it your choice whether you want him or not. But he wants you tonight. Praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts 16. There's a bit of reading, but I shouldn't keep this long, Lord willing. Acts chapter 16. It says, we'll start from verse 1. It says, Then he came to Derby, that's Paul, and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed that his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and took him to be circumcised because of the Jews who were in that region, for they knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees that, kept, that they kept, which were determined by the apostles and the elders of Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through, I can't even say that, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And they had come to Mysa, and they tried to go to, into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysa, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, from sailing from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next we came to Nepolis, and there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of part of Macedonia, a colony. We were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Phytira, who worshipped God, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, and she and her household were baptised, and she begged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now, was it Charles preached last week? What did he preach about? Well, it was good then. Praise the Lord, you all remembered. It was the splitting up of Paul and Barnabas last week, wasn't it? They had a sharp, you know, there's, um, there's an argument between the two over John Mark. Barnabas and Mark went one way and Paul and Silas, who we're going to follow now, are going this way. They're going back over to the churches they'd done in the first journey. 
Because remember in Acts 15 when Joseph preached for about a month about the decrees that were made, about saying, look, the Gentiles, they can only have to keep certain rules. They're not Jews. They ain't got to keep loads of commandments by any certain rules. And this is what Paul's doing. You see, and as they're going about, in the first five verses, it talks about how Paul meets with Timothy. Now, Timothy is, when you read through the, uh, the New Testament, he's with Paul, he's mentioned by Paul, in, I think, six of his letters. He's mentioned 17 times through, through this book. And Timothy was a young man, and, and Timothy had a testimony. You see, he was a young man, and the first thing that was said about him, that he was a disciple. Now, who knows what the word disciple means? Who knows what it means, disciple? Go on, over. Follow up, yeah. It means a learner. Well, that's what we're called to be. Learners. That's what we learn about the things of God, don't we? We're disciples. We follow Jesus. We're his disciple. We learn about the things of God. And that's what Timothy was. He was already a believer. And he was well spoken of. That he was well spoken of by the brethren. That means he had a good name. And the Bible says that a good name is better to be chosen than riches. Because a man could be a multi-millionaire, let's be fair, and be like a pig, couldn't he? And a man that's got nothing could actually have a good name spoken about him. I know, I know people that have got a good name, that wherever they go, they're, they're always spoken well of. And it's good to have a good name, isn't it? Because a good name, that means people trust you. You know, imagine if none of us had a good name in here. You'd be looking over your shoulder every two minutes, wouldn't you? Not trusting one another. Wouldn't be able to trust him with a secret. But Timothy had a good name. And that's what every Christian should aim for as a Christian to have a good name. Because your testimony is one of the pre- most precious things that we have. Amen. Right? If we, when we're going on living before the world, I want, I want my life, my testimony to draw people to Jesus. I don't want to push people away from the Lord. Because the way we act is the way what they think Jesus would act. You understand? Like, if, we, if we're going about and we're acting the wrong way all the time and, you know, tell a load of lies, chore a few things, play up, people think that's okay. Oh, that, is, that what Jesus, is that what Jesus is about? Is that what he lets you do? I'd have a bit of that. You know, Joseph used to share his, well, shares his testimony, how he, how he used to drink. He said when he got saved, it was the best of both worlds. And go to pub Friday, Saturday night, and he'd go to heaven, go to church and go to heaven. That one, right, he thanked the Lord, he sold that out. Lord's, right? That ain't the right way to go on, was it? And the Lord sold it out. But, but as Christians, we might not be drinking, but we might go out and tell lies to get a job. We might go and chore us a little something and think that's all right. Might go and gossip about someone and talk behind their back. And think that's all right. Do you think just because Joseph used to drink when he first got saved that what we can do is any different? Anything can break your testimony, you know. Listen, just the wrong way you speak to someone can ruin, it, ruin your testimony. And your testimony is a precious thing. And once that's lost, I know people that have lost their testimony and trying to build it now and things that happened 10 or 15 years ago are still being thrown up today. Your testimony is so precious, don't lose it. 
guarded. The enemy will want to blow your testimony. He'll want to smash you to pieces. So when you go and tell people about Jesus Christ to be their saviour, they'll just look at you and mock and say, well, if that's the God you serve, I don't want him. We've got to guard our testimony. You see? And Timothy, you know, Timothy had a good mother and a good grandmother. Because we read from these letters, it was taught from a child of the scriptures. It was trained in the scriptures. And in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.15 it says, It says, And from childhood you have known the only scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now those with children in here, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, the best thing you can give your child is Jesus Christ. The best thing you can teach them is the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying, you know, bringing them to church is not teaching them the Bible. Right? I'll clear that up now. Because people bring them to church, and when they get older and don't want to know Jesus or follow him, they go, well, I used to bring them to church. That's not teaching the children the scriptures. It's what we do at home. It's how we teach the children the scriptures. Right? Do you... Uh, do we sit and read the Bible with our children? When we leave the meeting tonight, you ask the children what the word was about. You know your children should be able to tell you what the word was about. They should be in here listening. That's why it should be. Because we, look, we love Jesus and we, we're going to tell the whole world, you're going to hell if you don't repent and believe in Jesus. But we're not willing to train our own children and knowing that if they die in their sin when they're older, they're going to go straight there. Salvation begins at home. Salvation is in the household. My, you, know, if, you know, if my children, if I leave this well, when I die, and my children are not born again, and don't know the Lord Jesus said, Lord and Saviour, I consider my, my role as a father, as a minister, a failure. I consider it a failure. If my children don't get saved, myself... I'm a failure. That's how I consider it. Because what's the point of me going around? Look, we've got, a, we've got an outreach coming up in, in battle in a few weeks, haven't we? What's the point of me going down battle, wanting to win all the lost down there, and ain't bothered about my own children? Do you understand? How, pre how precious are your children to you? Yet we won't sit and teach our children the things of the Lord, but willing to go here... Push them over to Satan is the things of the world. That's what we're willing to do. Because you hear it time and time again. My child ain't walking with the Lord. Well, have you taught him anything about him? No? Well, what do you expect? Took him to church. Be fair, my father used to take us to church. And when he weren't looking, like many children do here, we chore out over to the park we used to at Dartford. And just before the end of the meeting, we used to curve in in the back. Yeah, yeah, only father knew I was there. But uh, do you know what I mean? Learn your children the scripture. Who's that grub today? Who's that food? Amen. J just Joseph. <laughs> just Joseph. I was asking everyone, not just Joseph. But listen, we've all stuffed our faces today, haven't we? Before I come here, I had a big fry up sausages, eggs, bacon, chips, beans, mushrooms, big blowout. Right? Right, that's what I've had today. But listen, what's the good of me having that if I ain't willing to pick that up? 
and make sure my spiritual side's full. Amen. How many of uh, you? We've all had, uh, well, hopefully you have fasted today. So I ain't going to save stuff out all day. But have you picked this up and fed yourself spiritually today? Have you let God speak to you today? Or if you just, it's Tuesday, I won't bother, I'll come to church. We need Jesus every day. And if we need Jesus every day, and if I'm not talking to Jesus every day and learning from him, how can I expect my children, how can you expect your children to hear and learn from Jesus? You know, thank the Lord my, my daughter got saved this week. Thank the Lord, that was a blessing. That was an absolute blessing for me. Couldn't believe it. When she texted me, I couldn't believe it. You know, even like a few days before that, and I'll think of things like this, and I know others do. Constantly, children's on your mind, don't they? I want them to know Jesus. But don't give up hope. Take time out and sit with your children and talk about the Lord. It's the best thing you give them. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not the perfect father because I've let them down enough. I ain't spent enough time with Jesus with them. I ain't spent enough time putting into them. But if you're not doing that, do you know the best time to start? Now. That's it. That's it. You see, and it says after that, it talks about how they, used, they went through all the churches from Jerusalem and took the decrees. The decrees was all the rules what Joseph preached about. It said about keep from idols, immorality, and things strangled and from blood. He had to take them all through the churches that went over previously and tell them. So look, this is what you Gentiles have got to keep. Not the Jews, just the Gentiles. This is what you've got to keep. And it says, in verse 5, it says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now that word there, strengthened, the meaning of it means to make solid. You get the idea it's like a bodybuilder. It makes solid like a body. That's what the word done. Paul was going around strengthening the churches, strengthening them in the faith, like a bodybuilder. You see, we got, that's what the word of God does. When we read and study it, it should make us in the spiritual bodybuilders. That we should, when trials come and things happen, we should be able to stand up under the weight of a trial. Because we've got the word of God brings you strength. If we're not reading this, how are you going to be strengthened? I'll pray, right? Praise the Lord. But the word of God gives you strength. You know, if you go to the doctors and you say, tell them you're weak and that, don't you always ask you about your dietary, what you've been eating? What's your diet like? Well, you're eating the wrong things. That's why you're lacking in that area. Eat a few more vegetables, lay off all the fat stuff, you'll be all right. But it's the same with the word of God. If we're not reading it and we're weak, what do you expect? The word of God brings you strength. You know, when you go through a trial, this is the best thing you can have. This will uphold you. And the trouble is there's so many Christians that this just gathers dust. It lays on the side in their own or lays on the dash of a motor, gathers dust, don't get picked up, don't get read from one week to the next. And when the trials happen, like happening to them, when they're going through something, they can't stand. Why? Because they ain't got the instruction book out how to stand. And it, we've all got to read it. It ain't just for preachers to read or pastors to read. It's for everyone. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you're going through a trial, 
when you quote the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, for nothing can separate me from the love of God. You know, I'm chosen in him before the foundation of the world, and nothing can separate me from you, Lord. If you don't know the scriptures and stand upon them, are you going to stand? You're not going to be strengthened. You're going to crumble and fall away. You're like the man who built his house upon the sand and didn't build it upon the rock. Because when you read the scriptures, you're building upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And with your own thinking, you're building upon the sand. And when trials come, the winds blow, the rain comes, you just crumble away. And so many people have come through these doors and gone over the years. Why? Because they don't pick that up. Because that's not part of their life. The Word of God's not part of their life. The Word of God constantly tells you to read it. Constantly. You know, we should get big stickers on the site. You've seen the film Alice in Wonderland, the cartoon. When they got on it, eat me, drink me. They should have a big sign in their Bible saying, read me. We should have that on there. Because it's the most neglected thing amongst Christians. That and prayer are the two most neglected things amongst Christians and the two most important things that we have to do. The two most important things. You know, every day we should read. Every day. And listen, it don't take long, 20 minutes. How long does it take to eat your breakfast in the morning? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? It's only 15 minutes out of your day to read the Word of God. It's not a lot, is it? Who's been on Facebook today? Who's been on TikTok today? Snapchat, Instagram, WhatsApp. Who's been all, all in today? Who's been in their Word? We can spend all the time looking at rubbish of the world, but we've got to get into the Word of God. You know, and in verse 6, it talks about now. It talks about in verse 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Right? In Acts 19, they ended up going there. Paul ends up going to Ephesus. But at the minute, God's closed the door. God's closed the door. Now, as Christians, right? Every one of us in here, when we serve the Lord, you're going to have doors open, the Lord's going to let you serve, and doors are going to be shut where you can't serve. You see, what we find out, what we find out here, Paul's trying to push to go to Asia. Now, we don't know how the Holy Spirit forbid him. How he told him not to go to Asia. But we know he did. Now, there's things I've done in my Christianity where I've tried to do things for the Lord, tried to do things, but it's like I'm eating a brick wall. God shut a door and it don't matter how much we go for it, how much we try and push that door won't come open. Because Jesus said, when I open the door, no man can shut it. And when I close the door, no man can open it. You know, and it's our duty to pray and seek the Lord about that. Right? Because open doors, what the Lord's involved in, they always bear fruit. Now listen, we're going to do this outreach. Aren't we? In battle. Please, Lord, that's an open door. We want to get down there. Look, who knows? Maybe another church would spring up from this one. That's the goal. That's the goal. We want to invade Kent. We want to take it over, don't we? Right? We want open doors. Listen, personally, I believe the door's shut on Seaborn. I believe it's shut there. We've had three outreaches there, a mission, and no fruit. Maybe someone else will go there in the future, and it'll bear fruit. 
I believe God's calling us over this side because no one, it's all fresh ground and no one's been there. I don't even know if my Uncle Neddy's been there. How about that? He's been there. But listen, every work we have for the Lord has a season. Everything we have has a season. Listen, you're going to do a work for the Lord. Might be in this church. I was at Darford for 10 years. Darford Church for 10 years serving the Lord. I come down here for a break for three months. I told Joseph and Charles I'm here for three months. And now it's seven years later. The Lord has a season for the work. And I know every one of you, I know a few years in here who's come from Darford, come here, or he's been to other churches and come here. There's a season for the work. God shuts the door, but he opens new ones. That's the thing. We've got to be. Oh, we got to have our eyes so open. We've got to have the direction of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to try and be involved in nothing God's not involved in. I want to go where the Spirit's involved in and the Spirit's leading. I want to go where there's fruit bearing. Don't want to, what's the point? Trying to get involved in something God's not in. No, we all want to be like that. And I'll tell you how you know when there's a closed door. It's a burden. It's a complete and utter burden. Your life feels like a waste of time. And it, sometimes you think, I can't even carry on. You can't even carry on. You say, straight after this, he has a vision, doesn't he? Now this is the difference when God's in something God's not. Paul's trying to push to go to Asia. But now he has a vision. Now a man from Macedonia is calling him, saying, come over here and preach the word to us. He's saying, he appeared at night, he says, come over to Macedonia and help us. It's the first 10, it says, now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord called us to preach the gospel. Right? We'll read the next couple of verses. He was trying to push to go to Asia. Right? Couldn't get there, God forbid him. He had the vision, the man from Macedonia, come and preach the gospel to us. Right, God wants us in that. How long did it take them to get to Macedonia? Two days. Two days. That's when God's involved in something. All things just, when God's involved in something, things just seem to get out of the way, don't they? And God's involved, and it's just a straight course. When we try and push you for something that God's not in, don't work. No, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Please, Lord Jesus, we get to this outreach in a minute, and God is going to do a mighty work there. But I don't want to spend the next 20 years there, and they're trying to do a work God's not. I want to be where the Holy Spirit's leading. We don't seek to guide the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit guides us. Now, we want God's guidance. You know, and look, the aim is to get people saved, isn't it? That's the aim of the book of Acts. The church grows. The aim is, let's get people, plant churches everywhere we go. Let's make a dent for the gospel. And that's what we want to do. All the time we've got breath in our bodies, let's make a camp for Jesus. Let's go and win the lost. We've got the words of eternal life. We've got the words that can save a sinner from going to the pits of hell and in torture for eternity. We've got the words to set them free. And they can live life and live forever. Surely, look, surely this ain't it, is it? Look, praise the Lord, the church is growing. And look, we ain't had, when I first come to Charles Sutton, it was half the amount of people, wasn't it? 
Back half, wasn't it? Had Lord's blessed here, hasn't he? Let's be fair, Lord's blessed. But I don't want my life sitting in here. No offence. I want to get more in. Amen. I want more churches grow. I want... Please, look, no, I always pray, Lord... Your Bible talks about redeeming the time. Well, before I die, Lord, please help me make my life count for you. Because what's the point? I, listen, I love teaching the Word of God. It's a blessing. Lord's blessed me in that. But there's more joy when someone gets saved. When you know there's one more's come going in, Lord. There's one more. This is my go to battle and one gets saved. Worth it, don't it? And it always reminds me of the ending of the film Schindler's List. When he done it, when the war's over, World War II's over, and he, he takes his ring off, he went, that could have brought just two more Jews, he said. He said, that car I've got there, it could have brought ten Jews. He said, I could have sold everything and got more. I could have got more. Don't let that be us about our Christianity. I could have won more for you, Lord. I could have won more. He said, the Bible says, be doers of the word. Not just here as only. Do the work of evangelist, the Bible says. You know, our King of Kings and Lord of Lords come to seek and save that which was lost. We gotta be about the Father's business like he was. We gotta seek and save the lost, don't we? We gotta go and we gotta go and win them. Church is easy. Witnessing's not. Right? Tell me witnessing's not easy. I enjoy going witnessing. I don't enjoy the thought of getting punched in the mouth. Right? I love telling people about Jesus. But in, me, in the back of my mind, I know I can, I can probably say something because standing up for what's the truth, standing up for Christ, could get you persecuted. We're to expect it. Now, praise the Lord, when I go with Joseph, I know I can outrun Joseph. So if anyone's going to get it, it'll be him. No, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't leave him. I promise this, and I would never leave him. I'd just play dead. <laughs> but listen, it's about winning people, isn't it, for Jesus, isn't it? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You're, you're aware because someone told you about Jesus, aren't you? You're aware because someone told you you've got to be born again. We've got to go and do the same. Now, in the last few verses, it says, it's just read them. It says, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next to Neapolis. And from there we come to Philippi, which is the foremost part city of Macedonia, a colony. And when we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside, which, where prayer was customary made, and we sat down and spoke to the women there. Right, just stop there a second. So, just there, we read in verse 11. It says, when they're sailing through Troas, it says, it says then, we, we ran a straight course to the next city. The word we there means Luke's on board. All through this letter, he's talking about, they went here, they went there, they went to Jerusalem, they went to this city. But now he's saying, we went to this city. We went there. So, Luke... We read the book of Acts. He's now an eyewitness to what's going on here. Right, so they're there. And not, now, what you find is... Now, we would expect a mirror 
to go straight in and preach the gospel, won't we? They've hit the town and we think they're going to go straight in, town about Jesus. What was the first thing they did? They prayed. Where prayer was, they not only did they want to know where God sent them to do it, they wanted to know how God wanted them to do it. They wanted God's guidance. Before we do anything, we should pray. When we go witnessing or when we, wherever we do, we always pray before we go. Lord, where direct us to where you want us. We want the Lord in it. You see, and we know as well in this city that there weren't no synagogue in this city, no Jewish synagogue. Because every city, there had 10 male Jews in it, had to be a synagogue for a place of worship. And we know there weren't one there because they went to the outer parts of the city. So there was less than 10 men, Jewish men, living in that city at the time. You know, we've got to understand something as well. Because I know I can be headstrong in my Christianity and sometimes think I know it all. God's the leader of every step that we take in him. Every step that we take in Jesus Christ. Now, it don't matter whatever you do in this church, wherever you preach, lead, unlock it, make tea, clean up, go visit him, have people around your own, go witnessing. It doesn't matter what we do. God's got to guide every step. He's got to guide every step that we take. Because we want him, he's got to be involved in everything. I need his direction in everything. You know, have you ever been out through the day? Have you ever prayed this in the morning? Lord, put someone in my path today. Prayed that? And through that day, and it's normally someone that you ain't seen for ages. It comes in front, comes, and you're not talking to them, telling them about the Lord. You know, if you sincerely mean that every day, the Lord will give you someone every day to tell about him. And that's a blessing when that happens. We call that a divine appointment, do we? Do you know every time you tell someone about Jesus is a divine appointment? Ain't just special occasions. The divine appointment is the gospel. That's what the divine appointment is. It's their time to hear it. And look, 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 this is for your own self to answer. How many's asked the Lord to direct their steps today? How many's asked today? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Part of prayer, isn't it? Or have we just got and done our own thing? Your will be done, Lord. Not my will, but your will. Have we prayed that today? Because that's what we're meant to pray. The Bible says we're brought at a price. Our lives are not our own no more. We need his guidance. And it says he went, now a certain woman was there named Lydia, a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to eat the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptised, she begged her, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded them. Now, this is woman Lydia. She is a rich woman. How do you know she was rich? Because she sold purple purple garments the colour purple at that time was a very hard thing to have it was a special dye and if you had that you had a nice few quid so she was a wealthy woman but what we find out here what we find out here and when you read it it says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul 
Who opened her heart to hear the things of God? Jesus. Jesus opened her heart to hear the things of God. Now she responded, didn't she? It says she responded straight after that. And she and she and she and her household were baptized. So she responded. God calls. That's God doing the sovereign work. And there she responds. Man's free will at the same time. There it is. And maybe in your in this place tonight. God's calling you to him. He's calling you tonight. Same thing. You know, the Bible he says, he says, Come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You know, Jesus offers rest. One thing that every person, every person does want is rest. To lay their head on a pillar at night and not have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Isn't it? If you've got family worries, money troubles, anything. But everyone wants rest and peace. And Jesus come to offer rest and peace. You know, and if you're in this place tonight, and I've told you before, when you're not saved, God wants you to be his. Jesus died on the cross for you. But I can promise you this, that when you accept him as your Lord and Saviour, he'll give you peace. He'll give you rest. Because that's what the Bible teaches. And that's a free, that's free. There's no money involved. We're in the Catholic Church where we say confessions and give us a few quid. No. Jesus is free. And he gives you rest. And that's for any Christian in this place as well. As Christians, we should have peace in our life. That doesn't mean to say we're going to have troubles and trials. But we have peace through them. We've got the Prince of Peace. When things start happening, you start to get anxiety and you start to worry and, and you, you don't know what to do. Say, Lord, your word promises me that your word, that you hold above your name, promises that you give me peace and you give me rest. And you says you honour your word above your own name, my God. And do you know what you do? He give you peace and rest. Because it's believing and trusting in the word of God. Because what's the point of saying... Him telling us that he gives us peace and rest. And we don't trust him. You know, like, I've got my own children. If my children come to me for something, I'd like to do my best to help them. And I know I'd help them. How would I feel if, I, if, I, if they come to me and they think, well, is my dad really going to help me? Will he really help me get through this? I'd be devastated as a father if my own children thought that. And we've got an heavenly father... Who spoke the very earth in the being, who breathed into man, and we think he can't deal with our problems. Come on. We say we trust him. Do you know the proof of us trusting him is actually being doers of the word and trusting him, not paying mere lip service? I believe in the Lord, I believe he gets me for anything, for any trial. And when the trial comes, we fall apart. It's not trust. Listen, I know brothers and sisters that I look at their life and I do think, Lord, I thank you that I'm not going through that. Because I look at them and think, I'll fall to pieces. But I can see God's right hand holding them up. And they've got a peace and they encourage me. I've been to places where I've seen people go through things and thought, I'll go and encourage them. And I've come out more encouraged than what I have. Why? Because it's the evidence of God working in their life. And he wants to work in everyone's life in here. 
And all we've got to do is believe what his word tells us. And you say, that's too easy. It's too easy. You're saying, all I've got to do is just trust God at his word and he's going to do it. Yes. That's it. Who believes they're going to go to heaven when they die? Right. How do you know that? You trust what God says, yeah? You trust him for your salvation, but you don't trust him there to get you through the day. Well, if he's going to get you to heaven, which is a lot harder road, I think he'll get us through the day, didn't you? Let's trust him. You know, I'm right at the end. Right, right at the last thing. She responded, right? And I love, there's a scripture I read in John today. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who is my word and believes in me and sent him as everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And that's a promise. All those that are born again in this place, there's no judgment coming for your sin no more. You've got life. And those who are not Christians in this place, you can have that as well. You can have life. And not only life, the Bible says he comes to give life and he gives it more abundantly. Not, don't necessarily mean an easy life, but life to the full. You know, since I've been a Christian, I know lots of years in here. Right? There's nights I'm pleased to be at home. There's some nights I've, I've run and run and run doing things for the Lord. Because there's so much we can do. But it gives you life. And there's one thing I guarantee you this. You never regret following Jesus Christ. There'll be no regrets. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Father, we thank you tonight, my God. We thank you for the life and the life more abundant that you've given us, my God. Dear Lord, you sent your only begotten son to die upon the cross that none of us deserved. And we thank you that he set us free. And I pray tonight, Lord, that those who are in it that don't know you as a saviour, I pray tonight that you do a work in their hearts, my God, that you bring them to repentance, that they be born again, my God. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in this place tonight, Lord, that if they're going through trials or tribulations, turmoil, Lord, that I pray, my God, that your word promises them peace and your promises them rest. And I pray, my God, that they just trust you and take hold of what you promise. And that we know, Lord, that you'd honour your word. And we just want to glorify your name. Amen. Steve. Thank God for his word. Amen.